Any health-related information on the following show provides general information only. Content presented on any show by any host or guest should not be substituted for a doctor's advice. Always consult your physician before beginning any new diet, exercise, or treatment program. Live. We are here to help you thrive. I'm Carolyn Gazella, and I co-host Five to Thrive Live with my good friend, Dr. Lee Allshuler. And you know what? It's no secret that Dr. Allshuler and I feel that dietary supplements can play a valuable role in our health. But in order for those supplements to be safe and effective, we need to take special care in choosing high-quality products, and that's what this show is all about. But before we dig into our topic, I'd like to thank the sponsors who make this show possible. First, NBI Health, manufacturer of OsteoK and OsteoK Minis for bone health. This product contains a specific form of vitamin K known as MK4. MK4 has more than two decades of research showing improved bone density and reduce fracture risk. Visit nbihealth.com and Cetria Glutathione. Glutathione is the master antioxidant and the body's primary defense against free radicals. It also helps support respiratory health. Cetria is a patented form of glutathione clinically proven to raise blood glutathione levels. For more information, visit cetriaglutathione.com. Also, Dr. O'Hara's probiotics, which is a best-selling probiotic for more than 30 years and contains 12 probiotic strains that are shelf-stable, so no refrigeration is required because of a unique three-year fermentation process. It's a very effective probiotic. Learn more at drohiraprobiotics.com. And finally, the iThrive Plan, which helps survivors create online, personalized, physician-approved wellness plans. The iThrive Plan turns scientific information into personal transformation. Learn more at iThrivePlan.com. So we're talking about dietary supplement quality, and I have the perfect expert for this topic. With me is dietary supplement expert and naturopathic physician, Dr. Alex Keller. Dr. Keller is also the medical director at Fullscript, an online supplement dispensary and health resource for integrative healthcare professionals in North America. Dr. Keller received his naturopathic doctorate from the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine and his undergraduate degree in health sciences and psychology is from the University of Ottawa. Dr. Keller, thank you so much for joining me. Hello, Carolyn. It's my pleasure. Yeah, I I talk fast during my introduction, don't I? (laughs) (laughs) You got a lot of information in there. I know. How are you? I'm doing, I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, and you and I have worked together before, and it's so nice to have you on our Five to Thrive live show talking about this topic, because as I said, Dr. Alshuler and I are very much believers in dietary supplements, and I know you are as well. Um, you know, as a clinician, uh, you often recommend dietary supplements to patients. So before we dig into the issue of quality, what role do you feel? dietary supplements can play in a person's wellness program? Yeah, that's a big question. Um, you know, I, I think it, let me try to frame it in a way that, that doesn't take three hours to explain. <laughs> <laughs> you can go down a lot of rabbit holes with this. But, you know, when it, when it comes to 
how to use them clinically, it typically breaks down into three key areas. Um, you've got your, your nutrient replenishment, which is you know looking at your vitamins, your minerals, things like probiotics, fiber, making sure you have all of those foundational uh, pieces for good health. Then you have your supportive treatment, which is taking in nutrients or taking in botanicals or other natural substances that help support your body function optimally. So that, that's going beyond just the baseline nutrients, but uh, bringing in things that, for instance, support your immune system, like certain herbs or help with stress regulation. And then the third category that I usually look at is, is what I call allopathic treatment. Now, some of your audience may know the term allopathic as being synonymous with conventional medicine or, or pharmaceuticals, and it's, it's actually not. It, it really just means when you're, you're treating something directly that's in, in contrast to what the body's doing, but sometimes we actually need that. So, you know, a good example might be antimicrobial support or something that brings down anxiety when your body can't bring it down naturally. So we call those anxiolytics. So I usually categorize them into three key areas like that. And, and then it's really easy to, to bucket them for, for patients to understand that when you're using supplements, there's a lot of different uses here. It's, it's not just we're specifically treating a symptom. You might be treating the foundation of a nutrient deficiency or system out of balance and trying to get things back into balance so that the system can operate optimally. You know, Alex, I have to say that is a great way of describing it. And not only does that help you kind of put the supplements in buckets, but it also helps you kind of triage your your patients, I would assume, uh, that you can say, okay, well, do they need foundational support, nutrient replenishment? Do they need supportive treatment or do they need direct treatment? Um, So that's really brilliant. I, I like that strategy a lot. Great. I'm glad you like it. Well, and there's there's another thing as well. Um, the fact that you mentioned that with this integrative approach and with dietary supplements, uh, you're not just looking at symptoms. You're you're looking at the bigger picture, and um, I think that that's uh, important and plays a big role um, in integrative treatment as well. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, in, in integrative medicine, we're always looking at supporting the foundation first. So making sure that the body has everything it needs to be as healthy as possible. So first step is look for deficiencies or excesses. What what are you consuming that your body doesn't want and what are you not consuming that your body needs? So we reestablish the foundation and then once that foundation is back in place, then you start moving up the line to the supportive and then potentially allopathic types of treatment. The, the reason why I call out allopathic again is, is not to villainize that allopathic treatment is bad. It, it's in many cases very necessary, and, and there's lots of circumstances in my own clinical practice where we have to use allopathic treatments as a bridge to get someone to a place where they can start to now heal from the ground up. Oftentimes, people are in really rough shape. You know, they're they're so nutrient deprived, or they're so anxious, or they're dealing with a really major infection or something. I'm not going to say let's start with your foundation in those kinds of circumstances. No, we we have to get you back into a, a, a better state first, and then we can start working on the foundational type of care. So it, it, you have to understand where the patient is coming from and, and what's needed in the moment and not just come at it from a one-sided approach. It, it, you can come at it from multiple different sides. Yeah, it's such a good point. So, you know, dietary supplements play a significant role. So, you know, 
let's go to the obvious and the big question. Why is, is quality of these products such a big issue? Yeah, it's, it's such a great question. And, you know, in, in the supplement industry, you're dealing with, with a much more complex set of products. In, in pharmaceuticals, let's start with pharmaceuticals because most people are, are familiar with pharmaceuticals. First of all, you have far more standardization regulation around pharmaceuticals. It takes much longer and much more money to get a pharmaceutical product to market. Um, you have individual ingredients or individual chemicals typically that are used in the pharmaceutical agent so that you're affecting a very specific pathway in the body. And in most cases, these are synthetic products, and so they're highly regulated in how they're produced. In contrast with supplements, you're often dealing with whole plant extracts. It can be, again, herbs. It can be, um, uh, uh, sorry, foods. So those are the two types of plants. It can be minerals. It can be animal products. It can be a whole host of things. And as a result, you're not typically dealing with one chemical. You're often dealing with numerous chemicals combined into this whole type of product. On top of that, you might have certain extracts, but often they're combined with other extracts. Now you're again having that combination. You are dealing with the natural sources of these ingredients, and so sourcing becomes very important. And then at the end of the day, the, the regulatory oversight to get these products to market is far less than it is with pharmaceuticals. So there's a lot more variance in the quality of the types of products that you're, you're bringing to market and the sources of the ingredients that make up those products. So huge variance when it comes to the supplement uh, manufacturing side of the, the market. And then there's also the, the side of the marketing that comes with, with supplements. Typically much less marketing with, with pharmaceuticals, although there is some degree of marketing, absolutely. But it's much more standardized and usually highly evidence-based. You cannot make health-related claims with pharmaceuticals unless there is FDA approval to those claims. And as a result, there needs to be extensive amounts of research to back up those claims. In the supplement industry, we don't typically have health claims specifically. We have what's called structure function claims. What that is is rather than saying this helps treat insomnia, which is a medical condition, this supplement instead might be said to uh, help support your sleep function. So notice the difference. You're not treating a condition with that statement. You're supporting a natural function or a structure function type of claim. So as a result of that, there's a reason for that to, to ensure that we're not making uh, specific health claims around supplements. However, as a result of that, there could be a lot of misleading and exaggerated marketing, which can go in, in all sorts of directions as well. So there's, there's all these nuances that you have to consider in the supplement industry. And, and as a result, quality and how to discern quality becomes very important. I don't put as much weight in, in trying to educate patients around pharmaceutical quality because it's a much more standardized industry. Yeah, and for all those re reasons that you just mentioned, and it's a, it's a lot, um, both consumers and healthcare practitioners who, uh, you know, recommend dietary supplements have to be more proactive and more involved in the evaluation process when it comes to determining quality. So, so let's dig in to Absolutely. some of your practical advice. Um, so, what are some steps that consumers can take to ensure they are buying a high-quality supplement? Right. So. First of all, the sourcing usually is, is most important. So where are these products coming from? Are they coming directly from the manufacturer or are they coming through a third party that you don't know how they handle it? I'll, I'll just call it out. You know, 
Amazon has recently attracted a lot of attention around fraudulent products, uh, counterfeiting, um, misleading storage in terms of how products are, are stored. You know, a good example to consider is, is probiotics, which typically have to be stored in a cold environment. And, um, you know, there have been certain reports that have revealed that products are not stored appropriately in that case. So where the products are coming from is, is first of all, very important. So if you're, if you're buying them from a reputable source, I'll say Fullscript is one example because we work directly with the manufacturers, but it can be a health food store, it can be um, you know, your natural food aisle or a grocery store, whatever it might be, just really, first of all, ensure that you know where those products are coming from. Try to avoid those online e-commerce types of resellers that are not focused on the, the dietary supplement industry. And then beyond that, um, I won't go into too much detail unless you want to go there, but uh, looking at labeling, looking at third-party details, um, ensuring that ingredients are accurate per the, in the bottle, the third-party certifications are very good at giving you that, that additional insurance, um, ensuring that the ingredients in the product are actually backed by evidence. Uh, that Again, that, that's getting into a lot more detail and, and can be harder for patients to do themselves, so then you might have to lean on your practitioner to help guide that. Um, and then on top of that, you have to be aware of certain things like allergens and excipients, which some people are reactive to. And in, again, in con- contrasting supplements to pharmaceuticals, there tends to be a little less standardization in the supplement industry when it comes to these kinds of additional ingredients. And so if you have any sensitivities, you need to be very aware about what's in products. And that's where, again, avoiding potential counterfeit products becomes very important, especially if you have serious allergies. One last yeah. thing that I... I oh, tend go to, ahead. Oh, go ahead. No. No, no, last thing. <laughs> no, I was just going to mention one last area that, that I tend to, to bring up as well, but it's, it's in its early days, so we can't do that much with it yet, is this concept of blockchain or, or transparency in the supply chain, which is slowly starting to uh, have more prominence in, in the food industry, but also in the supplement industry because of the importance of sourcing with these ingredients. And so if there's any manufacturers that have some degree of transparency in their supply chain. I like to use Gaia Herbs as a great example of this. If you go to their website, you can look uh, at all their products and you can plug in actually a code on their individual products right on their their homepage, which takes you to a a built-in blockchain type of experience that shows you exactly when the product was harvested, how it was handled, all of the, um, the the certifications associated and inspections done on that product. So it gives you that, that extra assurance of transparency in the supply chain. It's very much in its infancy, but I'm estimating or, or expecting in the next five years here that we're going to see a, a boom when it comes to blockchain in, in supplement manufacturing. Yeah, I hope so. You and I have had a talk, uh, have uh, some conversations about that type of transparency, and I, I love that. I, I'm, I'm definitely hoping we go in that direction. Now, reading labels is, I mean, obviously consumers have some limitations if they're not getting their supplements recommended through their healthcare practitioner, and reading a label becomes critical. I'd like you to give us some examples of that third-party certification, because to me, that's pretty, that's pretty critical. When there's an independent third party that kind of puts a stamp of approval on either an ingredient or product, et cetera. Give us, give us one or two examples of third-party third party certification. Yeah, it's a really great point. And again, just to, to um, ensure that everyone understands what third-party certification means, it's, it's a, an organization, um, often not-for-profit, 
that its entire operation is based on assuring quality in whatever industry that it's specialized in. So in the food industry, we'll often see things like um, non-GMO, it's a good example, or organic certified, kosher certified. You'll probably recognize those kinds of symbols on food. And to some extent, those cross over into the supplement industry as well. A really important one that we usually try to point out first, because it's the baseline that you should have for supplement manufacturing in the United States is uh, CGMP or GMP uh, certification. So there are, are parties, uh, some, some examples are NSF or USP that do GMP certification. And when you see those seals on a, on a product, then you know for certain that the manufacturing facility has been um, more rigorously audited by NSF or by USP to ensure that the, the GMP or the good manufacturing practices are to a certain standard. And, and the company in this case is doing that voluntarily to, to really put, position themselves at a higher standard and, and, and try to differentiate themselves from, from other products. So that's a good example where you have more or less 100% certainty that the, the standards of manufacturing are up to snuff where they should be. Yeah, that's a great example. So, so what are some red flags to watch out for that may indicate a product is not high quality? What's, what's some of the flip side of what you've just described to us? Yeah, great question. Maybe one thing I'll clarify first, going back to the last point, and then that'll lead into this one, is that, again, GMP certification, good manufacturing um, uh, products or good manufacturing practices, this is a, a baseline certification for all products in the United States for supplements to come to market. The problem with the, the market itself is that products can get to market so long as they include ingredients that have been pre-qualified or, or pre-vetted by the FDA. These products can come to market before an audit is done at the facility. Um, and so as a result, you can have a flood of products coming to the market that have had no oversight or no inspection done by, by any institution or no regulatory body like the FDA. And as a result, only after the fact is it determined that potentially there are issues with their, their GMP practices or their GMP certification. So there and again, if a product doesn't have some sort of information around CGMP or have a third-party seal that indicates that they are GMP compliant, that to me is already some degree of a red flag. So the caveat there being that not all products will have that seal or have the information. So the second thing you can do is go to the website of the product and get a sense if, if GMP is something that's a high priority for them. So that's the first red flag I'd say, something to keep out for or keep an eye out for. Um, next red flag I'd highlight is exaggerated marketing. So if a product has very exaggerated marketing, like this is going to make you smarter or this will make you a stronger athlete, or this will make you um, heal miraculously from a condition. That typically is a major red flag because those are not products that have been A, vetted properly by the FDA or FTC, or they're products that are likely um, misconstruing the evidence for a certain ingredient. And then I already start to have weirdness around how is that product actually manufactured. Oh, Next one would good. be... 
Uh, oh, hang on one second, Dr. Keller, because I <laughs> yeah. have to tell you, that is such an important one, that exaggerated marketing, such an important one because it drives Dr. Alshuler and I crazy. You know, we, we work in the area of oncology, and when we were writing our definitive yeah. guide to cancer, we did a, a whole big section on avoiding products. I mean, the, the, the worst one that I remember reading about was uh, put this black salve on your tumor and it'll make your tumor go away. I mean, honestly, it drives <laughs> yeah. us absolutely crazy. So thank you for that uh, notice. I just wanted to highlight that one. So what's the next red flag on your list? No, I just want to reemphasize what you just said. It drives me crazy too, because it slanders the entire industry. And then you have this bad reputation that's developed that supplements are not legitimate that they're, they're snake oil, that it's you know not based in evidence, and that's absolute, absolutely untrue. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to, you have to use supplements appropriately and based on the evidence that's available. And so as a result, you have to know what ingredients are ideal for a specific situation and what dosing of those ingredients, what form of those ingredients. But you know, these are all factors that are, are very important when it comes to supplements. Similarly to pharmaceuticals, you, you can't just, uh, really nearly take a, a powerful antidepressant without knowing how to dose it properly. Well, it's the same thing for, for supplements. You have to know how to use them appropriately and, and where the limits are with regards to what available evidence is out there. Again, the exaggerated marketing is, is a huge uh, <laughs> pet peeve of mine because yes. it, it really slanders the industry. So mm-hmm. Just to reinforce that. Um, another big one is packaging. And, and this one can seem fairly benign generally speaking, but you would be surprised at, at how subtle counterfeit products can, can make their way onto the market and then catch you off guard, especially again, as I said earlier, if you're sourcing them from unregulated or uncontrolled sources. So I often tell people, watch out for packaging. That can include things like open labels, which seems like an obvious one, um, spelling errors on the label, which can indicate counterfeit. Um, odd language, things that just don't really add up. And then again, uh, looking for sourcing and, and location of manufacture. Typically, we want products that are manufactured in the U.S. or in Canada or maybe Europe, but, but that's about it because I don't trust the standards of manufacturing far beyond that at this point at least. Mm-hmm. So looking at, at the packaging, looking at the labeling is, is a really big red flag for those, those kinds of issues as well. Yeah, and it's something simple, I mean, that we can do, um, you know, we we can uh, take that time. Um, so, now sometimes people may overlook quality issues because they're being price conscious. I, I have friends who've gone down this road, and I know that you probably have had patients go down this road. So, what's your advice to people who may sometimes put price over quality? Great question. <laughs> there's, there's two sides. Two sides of this story. Um, let me let me start by saying low price doesn't necessarily make it a bad product. Um, there are, for, for, and, and I should also add, I work with many many patients who are very price conscious, and so we figure out what's within their price range and come up still with an ideal plan based on that. There's always a way to come up with an ideal plan regardless of your budget. And sometimes it means starting with one very simple product or one very simple dietary change or lifestyle change and slowly making your way up from there. On the flip side of that, starting with 10 or 20 products at the same time, that doesn't typically make sense either. And I'm usually pushing people away from taking too many products and, and focusing instead on a handful that makes sense, 
establish that foundation and slowly build up from there as needed. So coming back to the question, um, the, like I said, there's two sides to this. So you have to know what to look for. And I don't want to, A, create paranoia with your listeners, nor do I want to force everyone to have to you know, go see a practitioner before they take any supplement. You can educate yourself in what to look for and, uh, and to understand, again, you know, certain ingredients, uh, the forms, the dosages, and the likes, and, and finding products that are not necessarily overly expensive. The, the other side of this industry, which is a pro and a con, but I think it's worth highlighting, similar to, I like to use uh, car manufacturing as, as a comparable example. Oftentimes, there are products that are nearly identical because they're manufactured by the same manufacturer, but they have different labels. And that's usually because there's a retail market and there's a professional market. And again, that doesn't mean necessarily the products are better or worse. It just means that you have to look out for products that are unusually highly priced simply because they have a different label on them. So I'm, again, I'm often trying to educate my patients to understand this is a product that you'll find on a grocery store aisle uh, or on a grocery store shelf, and it's actually a very good product. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad product just because it wasn't exclusive or, or inaccessible um, unless you went to see your practitioner. So all of that to say that the price doesn't always indicate quality. However, <laughs> here's the other side of the story. Oftentimes, when you're dealing with specific types of ingredients that have the evidence to, to back up that they're actually effective in a certain condition, right? a great example of that is Mareva curcumin. So Mareva curcumin is a specific type of curcumin extract, curcumin being a, um, a derivative or a chemical found in turmeric. Um, Mareva is a, a specific preparation of the curcumin extract that's used for pain management, it can potentially be used in, in cancer management and in a number of other uh, types of conditions for which there's, there's very good evidence for. But in order to get the, the dosage of Moreva that is consistent with the evidence, you're usually having to buy a, it at a very high dose or take it at a very high dose, which can be very expensive. So that's where you have to be careful that a product that has curcumin or turmeric in it is not the same as Moreva. And Moreva, as a result, is much more expensive because of the, the unique preparation that it is. And that's where I would say to a patient, this product, despite the fact that it's more expensive, makes a lot of sense because it's the one that's backed by evidence. The curcumin product that's not Moreva is not necessarily backed by evidence in the same case. So putting it into practical terms, curcumin is often touted as being very good for anti-inflammation or for pain management. And Moreva is the form of curcumin that is often the one in evidence showing how it has comparable effects to something like acetaminophen or Tylenol. And if you're just taking a baseline 95% extract of curcumin or curcuminoids, it's not necessarily going to have the same impact as Moreva. And so if you take Moreva and you use it for seven days at a dosage that's recommended by the evidence, then you'll have a very significant impact very quickly. If you take the lower priced curcumin in this case, or 95% curcuminoid extract, it might take you 30 days to get the same benefit or no benefit at all. Does that and make that, sense? I, I talked a little makes, bit in circles there. But. No, I think it makes a great sense. And you used a perfect example. You know, it's, you know, when you're buying a highly specialized curcumin extract for pain versus you're buying vitamin D. 
you know, so it's, it's, it's right. a different, yeah. you know, it's, it's a different animal. I, I've also found a uh, Dr. Keller that many practitioners, and I know you're in this ca- uh, category, uh, will give their patients, they'll pass along discounts to their patients, um, in, <clears throat> excuse me, in order to, um, help them be able to afford, uh, the higher quality, more specialized product. Have you yeah, found that absolutely. as well? Um, Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I try to be fairly consistent with marking most of my products down to make them accessible for my patients. And like I said, I, I tend to deal with a patient population that, that isn't as affluent and can't necessarily afford products. So I'm doing everything possible to make it accessible for them. Um, and, and, and that's just my business model. Just to be clear, the, the business of selling supplements is um, is very much a part of integrative medicine because you have to keep in mind that cash-based practices, which is pretty much all of integrative medicine is often a, it's a very challenging, sustainable model. And so integrative practitioners have to find ways to ensure that they have other sustainable income to ensure that they can stay in practice. You know, a good example of this past year was, um, you know, clinicians had to shift their business models very, very quickly um, to a virtual setting, which meant that their volume of patient, uh, patient visits potentially decreased, which meant that their, fee for service of seeing a patient very quickly declined and, and their incomes were seriously affected. Having yeah, that little yeah. bit of revenue from, from supplement sales on the side was often what kept people afloat right, before they could yeah. get their practices back, back and even kill. So yeah, I, I, I went a little point. bit off tangent. No, that's, yeah, that's okay. I went off tangent there, but. Yeah, and and we only have about a minute left, Uh, but I want to bring up a point uh, as we close up. Um, You mentioned educating yourself, and I want to let our listeners know that fullscript.com is not only an excellent resource for healthcare professionals and healthcare practitioners, but it's also an excellent resource for patients. So if you want more information about a lot of what we're talking about, go to fullscript.com. I highly recommend the website. Thanks again, Dr. Keller, for joining me. My pleasure, Carolyn. Thanks so much for having me. Well, that wraps up this episode of 5 to Thrive Live. Once again, I'd like to thank our sponsors, Cetria Glutathione, the master antioxidant, NBI Health, the proud manufacturer of OsteoK and OsteoK Minis, Dr. O'Hara's award-winning probiotics, and of course, the iThrive plan. May you experience joy, laughter, and love. It's time to thrive, everyone. Have a great night. Oh,